least one of us can dance. Beats on I've never been told that I could actually dance. You wearing a onesie? That kind of looks like a onesie. Every yeah. No. I'm wearing cargo pants. Oh. That top <laughs> looks like it's a onesie. It's, it's just a fleece. This reminds me of the guy at the wedding with those that light up suit on Brandon. <laughs> that was so ridiculous. COVID on repeat. On repeat. Sadly. Podcast on repeat. Hopefully the topics this week are too odd for me. Welcome, everybody, to episode 82 of the Light Shed podcast. I'm adjusting on the fly my microphone to sound sultry, as Walter Pysik asked me to do. And I'm here, along with Walter Pysik and Richard Greenfield. I'm Brandon Ross. Happy Thanksgiving, or I guess it's Happy Black Friday now. How are you, fellas? Happy Black Friday. I don't hear that a whole lot. Although happy, my kids are excited. Happy Black, I bet they are. Are they ready for their Hanukkah presents? I think Hanukkah starts, what is it? Is it Sunday or Monday? Yeah, it really, it sucks with our trip and being out on the West Coast all week. But yes, it starts Sunday. Does it? Do you still have to get them presents, even though you're not going to be there? One for every day, right? I mean, that's how it works. <laughs> do, you still get, do you still get eight presents, even though you have a child in college now? I don't think I, I get like very few presents, but we'll see. Do they give we'll you any presents, Rich? They do, usually. What about a Von Dutch hat? And then I will say, we, we, we always do like a secret Santa, but a Jewish version of secret Santa. But I've been so stressed lately. That I Who's forgot. the Jewish secret no, no. Santa? So I forgot. So I forgot who my secret Santa was. Oh, my goodness. So the whole family is upset that I don't really. Re- I think I remember, but I'm not sure. So, like, it's going to be sort of embarrassing if I screw this up. And I think there's probably like a there's probably a 60 percent chance that I screw this up. You know, what gift works with every secret Santa. A gift yeah. card. A rubber band of cash. Oh, yeah. I love cash. Um, anyway, coronavirus is back. Not that I it mean, ever really went away. No, but we haven't talked about it on the podcast no, for we a long for- time. And I mean, I'm looking right now at my screen. Live Nation's down 8%. Well, the market's, the market's closed. closed. <laughs> 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 so it was down 8% today. Yes, um, it closed down 8%, but it was a low volume day. I think um, vol- or not volatility index did spike. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's just a weird day for all this stuff to spike, happen. Spike, like the mutated spike protein. Like That's spike going to allow this this version of covid the new version of covid that's I'm not sure why it's a shock to people that there would be a new version of covid that would oh seriously and by the way i mean there's going to continue to be mutations some of them are going to be more transmissible than others some of them are going to be more deadly than others and hopefully there's just not the combination of the two because that's not going to be great that's true but i think there's a lot of information at this point yeah, there's a total lack of information. No one really knows what the deal is. How many even cases did they find? Like 32 at this point. Something like I that. know that they're closing down Africa. I'm supposed to go to Africa for my delayed honeymoon. Hopefully, I still get to go. The, the only oh. scary thing, if you were reading that article that Walt sent around last night, is just sort of that it, the, the, the types of vaccine therapies that were used don't seem to apply to this strain which would be the obviously no 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 they evade it because they all the mrna um vaccine like fakes the spike protein or something right and because this is mutated our particular um uh or not ours the vaccines that they came up with don't necessarily work I just see U.S. restricts travel from but South they, Africa. But yeah, but they can. It's about but time. They, what took Biden can, so long to do that? Can, I, I literally just it literally just crossed sleeping. the tape. It literally just crossed <laughs> the tape. Well, it it's a little late. I know. Late. It's like but it's just Pfizer, amazing. Like, where was Pfizer that last said, night? Pfizer said if it's like a completely mutated strain, they had to start from scratch. It would take only a hundred days to come up with a vaccine. Yeah, and who knows what other what other? I mean, I heard someone talking today, a doctor, not like some random thing I read on the interwebs, but um, talking about how sometimes mutations 
will have less um, transmittability because of the number of mutations. So we'll we'll see. It's early. It's early. But again, to Brandon, your point, yeah, it's going to happen. I mean, it's just going to. This is the rest of our lives, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, we tr- we try to put we things to in the past. That. Right. Well, we try to put things at light shed into the past. One thing that has just never died as much as we've tried to get it to go away is this, is this little segue? company. We never yeah, tried this- to make a company go away, Rich. So you shouldn't say that. There's definitely Why? not. We didn't. You we didn't tried try. to make Vonage go away? Well, I only made it. I wanted it to shrink quite a bit. That's for well, sure. I think the company morphed over the years. But but yes. um, what's more interesting, I think, about Vonage, Rich, is anytime that you've appeared on Bloomberg, <laughs> Tom yes. Keen, who's a great host. This guy is hilarious. He's He's part of his introduction for Rich Greenfield is, oh, Rich Greenfield, who many years ago called Vonage. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I remember Jordan when Rich time. Greenfield put oh. a cell no, on Vonage. That. It's a much higher pitch. Brand. It is. We love yeah, Tom Keen. We love him. And but he every time Rich would go on on Bloomberg, Tom would would bring that up about the Vonage. So Vonage is now officially gone. Reading this tweet from Vonage itself. We're excited to announce that we have reached an agreement to be acquired by Ericsson, a leading provider of information and communication technology. <laughs> Do we even give a shit about this or is it just because of Tom Keen? <laughs> it was really just because of Tom Keen and just the history and it's with a that very stock. Sl- and it's a Tom very Keen. slow news week. <laughs> but also because Kathy Wood, when she was defending Zoom plummeting, was saying that basically Zoom is going to blow away all these com equipment companies and going to disrupt everything because no one's going to, you know, going to use Cisco or anything else because of Zoom. Zoom's replacing everything. So, but uh, sticking on funny or, or sort of shocking um, is we're going to shift gears into Carl Cantania, who tweeted out, this is, I, I guess there was a, a down. I think it's sorry. Quintanilla. Quintanilla? Yeah. Really? He said. Okay. Carl you've known him. You've known him for long enough. Um. But basically, there was a breaking news tweet that said Disney sees price target cut at Wells Fargo. And then Carl sort of quote tweets it and says, Wells, quote, our work indicates that the slowing content machine was the culprit. And uh, I mean, I think we've been talking about the well, I just want to say, like, we've probably been talking on this podcast for at least the last 20, maybe the last 30 weeks about sort of the lack of content on Disney plus how Walt turns in for 40 minutes and then tunes out. Cause there's nothing else to watch. And it's just sort of funny that there's an analyst out there who just sort of just realized that there's a content <laughs> slowdown at Disney plus like it's okay. That's what I mean, I don't know. But despite the fact it's that amazing. they said it on their earnings call, we are missing subscriber numbers because we don't have content. We will not have better subscriber numbers until the second half of the fiscal year because we have no content. Hello, their work Wells. shows, but their work shows <laughs> their work that the content shows. cycle is the clock. It's, it's confirmatory. <laughs> what was the work when you just, what is, what, how do you define work in this situation? Is it opening up the app and actually looking at the content that's in the app? And then, no, it, maybe it, they did a survey like uh, on Survey Monkey. Survey Monkey, right? No, no, no. They they sent also out recently the acquired. Yeah, <sighs> I don't know, but Rich, it's just sort here's of the thing: the the community, the com analysts are just out surviving the media analysts who are her flittering away to to work at companies. So I know of, there's not a lot of media. Uh, and I I I, I hear it's possible some but, but, more will be fleeing, maybe for IR jobs. But we'll see. We'll see. We're going to we be the see. only ones left. Yeah, IR is a very I'm valuable, fine with that. I think a more valuable role than people have given it credit oh, for over the years. Dude. It's some it's amazing some of the it's IR direct. decisions that have been made at companies that have hundreds of billions of market cap and the people they put in there and how the how things are run and just the if you if you want to talk about from reality on how you're supposed to communicate with with investors. Adding and destroying value. Who has more impact, honestly, outside of the C suite than the IR person? Because uh, I, I could disagree. There's plenty of big tech companies where the IR makes no difference. That's true. Like in literally, lot, I would make it, but they could make guys, a difference. In a lot of companies, it, I mean, if it makes you know a couple of dollar difference on the sure. stock price, you know, depending on the size of the company, that's millions to billions. But Rich, maybe not making difference is the key, as opposed to proactively just being bad at what you do yeah, and select that, people on bad. calls and are just kind of super defensive on. Whenever I know everyone is waiting for the scorecard, Walter. <laughs> everyone is waiting for the scorecard. We're going to keep dialing Baited up breath. the pressure. Baited By the way, on that. every IR person now loves us because we just said yeah. they deserve a race. 
I don't know. Well, that's true. Right. <laughs> but not every. This is that's, a more important job than people realize. Brandon, that's like saying every research analyst liked it when Mifid came. Well, not really. Fair enough. Ones that are <laughs> yeah. value to get paid, maybe, but the other ones, not so okay, much. So, so let's yes. stick on this theme of content on Disney Plus because this is what someone just figured out. So to this point, there's um, a bunch of stories that uh, basically Thanksgiving five five day weekend box office is pretty weak. Um, the, the Variety article literally says this holiday is shaping up to be far quieter than past ones, a sign that COVID nineteen continues to depress ticket sales in the U.S. despite the widespread availability of boosters and vaccines for younger children. And I think that's sort of the the crazy point here is that vaccines are in, boosters are in, more and more families are getting vaxxed. Yes, probably this more one shot than two. the new variant. Sure. Yes, I, I, totally. But, but here's the key. Disney went out on their conference call and said, we don't have a lot of content. We're going to be very weighted towards end of 22, as Brandon just said. But they have content. Like Encanto could have been on Disney+. Plus. They chose like the last few animated movies, Soul. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the one last summer, but like several of their movies have gone direct to SVOD, where they've basically just put up all of the family titles. This is the first big one that they brought back and did it a traditional theater rollout uh, exclusively in theaters. It clearly didn't work. This is a movie that cost one hundred and twenty million dollars, 40 million U.S., maybe 70 globally this weekend. They're going to just take a bloodbath. Right, what, what do you think the multiplier is on that? Like two and a half? I mean, it's the holidays, but like young families aren't going. Like, I'd be look if it gets to 100 million, that's going to be a big number domestically. Maybe it does 250 worldwide. I mean, for, for a Disney animated movie, that's horrible. And maybe you can say, so maybe, maybe they're still testing the market, Rich, and they're going to see this stuff and, you know, lessons learned. Yeah. And, well, that's that's kind of what they said they were going to do, right? I know but we've had three Marvel movies sub five hundred million. Yep. Right now we have Encanto. We're going into West Side Story. Good luck with that. I mean, I mean, some of this is quality of content. I forget which one of those producers was talking about. Oh, how movie content's better than streaming, or maybe that was David Poland arguing with me on Twitter. But I mean, I'll look at the the recent um, Hawkeye that was just released. And it's really good. I mean, it's better than Eternals. And, and you know, so I think there's a there's kind of a blur between how you define good content. Dune, I said, obviously not a Disney product, but Dune was no. phenomenal and I enjoyed it um, at home. And certainly, you know, if you put out content like that streaming, that's certainly going to going to be helpful for them. Well, so. that is a perfect segue, Walter. That, that was perfect because hmm. our next slide is about Dune and HBO Max, because oh, there's a tweet out here. Um, HBO Max is offering up free movie tickets as a carrot to get its monthly subscribers to switch over to the annual plans. The annuals are about 16% cheaper than the, the, the monthly plans. The new offer suggests that WarnerMedia is at least slightly concerned about elevated churn in 2022 once the same day streaming releases end. So Dune, which you did watch, that was a day and date release. So for its first 30 days of release, it was not both in theaters and on HBO Max at no additional cost. That comes to an end with The Matrix. I don't know if you saw the preview the other night during football, or but it was looks awesome. Um, but The Matrix in December will be the last title that goes day and date on HBO Max. Then next year, back to a 40 to five day window. Now I say back to a 45 day window. That is obviously all takes into account whether COVID gets worse and all of that. Who knows? Uh, but just like Disney, they're you know basically going to a, an exclusive window for titles. I just thought what was interesting about this is that, yes, getting you to an annual plan certainly reduces the risk of churn. It just seemed like I got this offer. I, you know, I've been an HBO subscriber forever. You would just think like that there'd be some cohort analysis to have yeah, some so understanding, right? Like who should you offer you these two? You're basically saying that their digital marketing isn't sophisticated yet. That's well, two two things. One, people who can afford to pay. Maybe I'm overgeneralizing, but if you can afford to pay an annual plan fee upfront, yeah, this this is the Netflix you probably thing. have enough money, yeah, to pay the monthly fee, right? That's like, what you're, you're basically says, giving. Yes. You're basically giving your best customers, your highest net worth customers, a discount. So they don't churn, but they probably were the least likely to churn anyway. If your content, I mean, look, if your content's falling off a cliff, but HBO is definitely not falling off a cliff. I mean, they've got some huge content coming next year. It just seemed odd. And look, Andy Forsall, 
who is basically the GM of HBO Max, was very nice. He responded on Twitter and basically said, look, we're running lots of tests all the time. This is just one of a number of tests. And so, look, I guess it's great that they're testing. To your point, Brandon, I think it's just surprising that they're not figuring out who is least likely to churn when they run tests like this. I mean, the most interesting part of the whole thing to me was the fact that it was movie tickets that they were giving away. Yeah. Because those was are like, something we're that, dying Was that to have. like kind of part of the settlement? Um, <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, that <laughs> when when they got the shorter windows and worked with mm. the movie theaters and everything else, and we'll drive people there by doing a promotion where we give away free movie tickets. Maybe. I yeah, mean, who knows? I mean, look, there's so much content. I mean, I was watching this Von Dutch, this Curse of Von Dutch. Brendan, I don't know if you've seen it. It's I haven't seen it, but I it's I inc- definitely had a Von Dutch hat back in like, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. I did. I knew nothing. Ago. I knew nothing about this whole story of how crazy it is. And, and after watching it, I almost need to watch the show again. It's only three episodes. It is so insane. Like murder trial, like just I had no idea. But it, to Walt's point, like it just shows like there's great content everywhere. I know everybody, you know, we got a lot of people, I'm sure, who are excited. I know you two are to watch the Beatles documentary, which came out yesterday as well. Um, I forget whether it came out Wednesday or Thursday, but it, the Beatles documentary is out. Um, but you were on, trolling it on Twitter saying that, you know, know, oh, my God, I can't believe anyone didn't watch it. It was Thanksgiving. <laughs> like you watch football. On By the way, and he's like, I can't believe it's not number one. Yeah. And it's it, been a it, day. it had come no. out like 12 hours earlier. Meanwhile, it's already up to number three and it's two and a half. The first episode's like two and a half hours long. And well, like, I was pushing back on Loki. Stop picking on people who are smaller than you, Rich. Hawkeye yeah. went to number one, like instantly. It's 30 instantly. minutes. And it was and it was there before Thanksgiving. And it's, you know, and there's a Marvel, there's a very strong Marvel people out there. I partially include myself in that, that, you know, I can just tell you how I looked at it. Like, I want to see Marvel first because there's spoilers and like you want to be able to talk to people about it. There are other Marvel people. There's not going to be fucking spoilers in the in the right. There's no urgency to see this. Get back is is going to be big, though. Yeah, there's no doubt. It's I mean, like I want to see Springsteen it. was on HBO. It's like, OK, I didn't have to rush out to see Springsteen when he was on HBO, but it was fucking awesome once I got to it. Wasn't Springsteen on way. Netflix? Oh, Netflix. Whatever. It was on Netflix. They're all, they're all the same while, thing, Rich. While we're see, talking the, about no, Rich, you know, that's the content. Uh, well, hold, hold on, on Brandon. Stop, hold Brandon. on, Brandon. Because Rich was just like trying to troll me on that. Like, yeah. I'll troll you right fucking back. I didn't even know it was on Netflix. So what does that say about Netflix? Ooh. Boom. Oh, shit. What it shows you is there is so much goddamn content out there that getting to a movie theater is getting harder. The bars. By the way, I love that. That's what it says. That's what it fucking says. That's what it says. Not not that it will ever matter for AMC stock unless AMC goes bankrupt because it's more of a community than anything else. But the point that I wanted to make was um, expensive community. It is. So, so it no, but that's what it is. I think that ape documentary is coming out pretty soon, which is going to explain it all. That the they one that they made about themselves. So um, it's going to explain. I'm it actually, all. I don't know. It'll explain some of it. I is that think like the January it's, it's 6th documentary. Some of the, it <laughs> some of the mindset. The interesting thing I was going to bring up though is on my Roku. Um, I keep getting ads for House of Gucci in the theater. So there's no streaming element, obviously, to House of Gucci, but I'm getting ads to watch it in the theater on Roku. And wait, you wait, think like about how, and where do what, what type on the of, home like, screen on the home screen? No and way, seriously. Yes, yes. And what's interesting is that isn't the home screen really used to drive app downloads more than anything else, and to drive streaming content? And this, that's on, the this, ad unit that I keep getting. Rich, you know what's going through Rich's mind right now? He's like. Brandon, He's, I can't believe you saw you that on your home no, screen and didn't you tweet didn't it. Take a picture of it. By the way, I did take a picture of it. I have not tweeted it. Rich, would you like me to tweet it? <laughs> the, this Rich to is apoplectic to our, right to now. Our, to our because he this thinks a, I don't tweet enough. <laughs> to our listeners, this is a little insight of what goes on behind the scenes in terms of Rich, Rich is apoplectic. Very, Rich getting it's very just, frustrated. It's just one of those Brandon. things. Like, yeah, I'm finding why? out about this now. Like, just like. <laughs> I'll tweet I mean, it out look, after the podcast. 
Well, it's also interesting okay. because. Oh, okay. Well, let's say the over under on whether that happens. <laughs> I will do it. I have the picture. Oh, you promise. It's definitely. I promise. I do want to see House of Gucci too. Hey, Rich, can you remind me to tweet that after the podcast? Yeah. Okay. It's let's so, I want to no, no, see no, it no, too. Just be, for like, be, like stylistically, and it just looks like a lot of fun, but the reviews suck. Like there's straight gonna a, suck. There's going to be a text at 11 p.m. tonight from Rich Brandon. How have you not fucking tweeted out that picture from Roku yet? <laughs> the only good news is, I guess it, it's being the, the MGM's being bought by Amazon. So hopefully it'll be on Prime Video at some point in the the future. I'm sure no time soon because of uh, it probably goes to Epics, I guess. But whatever. Um, let's shift gears completely over to a little uh, telecom. We've got FCC news, Walt. We went from a very fun topic to wah, wah. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. We need, like, we need a button. No, no, no. We really need a button with some like transition music. With Debbie Downer music. Wah, wah. <laughs> and now on to telecom. Okay. Now to introduce this week's telecom segment. Was that oh, sultry God. enough for you, Walt? <laughs> telecom. No, it's a little Walt, Walt says he, he likes me to be sultry when I speak. Not hollow. That's like fine. like it's a 900 number. I would like you to bring your microphone to at least one podcast in 2021. <laughs> at least one. Okay, so in so the, basically the news is that on December 1st two very important things are happening with the FCC. First, FCC chair Rosenworcel, Jessica Rosenworcel, um the vote will go for her nomination, so she should be in the clear. But also Gigi Sohn, um she'll have her confirmation hearing. Now clearly this is not the end all and be all, but the, to the concept out there of people thinking that, you know, they were going to try and kick the can down the road on Gigi and the Republicans were going to push back. They still might do that. You may have someone show up at this hearing and say, I'm going to put it on hold or there's going to be some drama like that. Um, but, prog- you know, you still see progress being made on Sohn, um getting approved as commissioner. And, and like I said in the last podcast, we're going to take we're going long Sohn on this saying that we think she's going to get um, approved as the fifth commissioner. Well, but wasn't it just last week that people were saying, oh, this could get dragged out throughout all of 2022 sure. and yeah. like, and look, it might getting still, her like, on the, I know, I know, but getting on the docket this soon is definitely a surprise. 100% Rich, okay. because there's only certain number of what they call floor hours out there. So you wouldn't waste your time with hours on the floor when you have other shit that needs to get done. If you didn't think that this was going to get done. And you're basically pushing, right? Because from what I understand, you're pushing other people out of the way, other nominations that need to get through the floor. You're pushing them down and and prioritizing this. So clearly, somebody. All you have to do is look on, you know, Twitter about all the all the complaints about Biden and things that haven't gotten done. So this is obviously on the agenda, um, in terms of of them getting through. And look, you know, like I said before, midterms are coming up. So now with the FCC getting getting sorted now. It's not surprising that two things are all of a sudden quickly happening. First, we, we got um, Rich. Can I have the tweet, please? Yep. I'm just having a little trouble. Hold on. While he's coming up with that, I tried to look for my picture. No, no, no. I, just, I, was just having... I still can't find it. So if I don't tweet this out later. Okay. So back you know to why? our regular <laughs> program. Thanks for that diversion. Another brand and special. Okay. Squirrel. Um, so, <laughs> so now with the FCC getting sorted, you all of a sudden, you know, you're seeing now FCC commissioners just signed off on Verizon's acquisition of track phone wireless. The impact here to the industry is it doesn't happen immediately, but Verizon's going to take that AT&T and T-Mobile traffic, wholesale traffic and move it onto their own network. And Verizon's never been a viable competitor in prepaid. Um, and so now all of a sudden Verizon is going to be in the mix probably expanding the distribution of track phones. So it's, it speaks to what happens in 2022, you know, again, targeting in part T-Mobile's wholesale revenue, which is also going to get negatively impacted by dishes moves of that um, boost traffic from T-Mobile to AT&T with their new deal. There was a second so, thing that. Well, no, but, but before you get there, who's the, who's the, if you look at kind of the tallest in, or biggest in, in prepaid, where does this, where would this put Verizon now market wise? Um, that's a great question. 26, 34. I think they're probably second in, in terms of size. Um, but like, again, they had like 5 million users. Now they're going to have like, I think 25 or 30 million users. So it's a game changer. It was like basically a rounding error. No one really considered them having any type of brand. So it gives them multiple brands in prepaid. 
And do you think that they can use it? I mean, they've been so aggressive versus all the others in using content to drive sort of their postpaid. Do you think, I wonder if this changes, like whether they would try to use any form of their content deals to try to inform or to try to drive prepaid since they're getting so much bigger. The primary use of content is to move the ARPU up on the postpaid side of things. So I don't, I don't think that you would use content in a prepaid, but you never know. I mean, that, that could yeah. be something you don't want to move um, prepaid revenue up as well, but that's just a different type of customer. But I guess if you have a much bigger prepaid base and then you have all of this content in the postpaid base, it's sort of a way to drive that funnel to drive people from prepaid over to postpaid over time. Well, that's talking about conversions and trying to right. convert customers that you identify as good paying and you can save the money by moving into postpaid. So sure, it creates a funnel that AT&T and T-Mobile have drawn upon um, yeah. in order to drive help to drive their postpaid uh, subs. ATT discloses that, um, you know, in terms of what that move is from customers that go from prepaid to postpaid. We strip that out um, whenever we look at ATT's growth, which, as a reminder, um, has been surpassing everyone in recent quarters. So the second thing at the FCC is um, is basically saying, or, or what happened at the FCC is, you, you know, that the C band has been delayed because of these what we consider to be bullshit concerns in terms of interference. So it looks like. Um, AT&T and Verizon kind of sent up a, like, hey, we're going to turn down the power around airports and you know, then that'll give you a chance to test all this stuff for six months. It looks like they're basically queuing up um, to have the ability to move forward with 5G in January. The FAA says they're going to take a look at it, but um, you would think that the Biden administration, someone there, um, will take a leadership role and say like, okay, we gave you guys an ability to save face now. Now back the fuck down and allow the industry to move forward. It's it's you know the FAA on Friday said, well, we're going to consider this. So you you don't know. I still don't think there's some invisible strong political hand behind this, like we've had in in prior um, issues. So it, it, I think this is a good sign for Verizon and their ability um, to move forward with C-band in January. So if it's a good sign for Verizon, that's obviously bad for T-Mobile. Um, who has all of this spectrum depth out there that was going to be an advantage, um, as well as Charter, because a big part of using C-Band was to go after Charter and Comcast broadbands, um, broadband customers. So we'll see how that plays out, but it was that was definitely a positive sign in terms of, and, and I think not coincidental that things are moving forward that with Rosenworth. So like once she can get confirmed and in place and maybe have so in there with her, there's more power to kind of move forward on some of these things where before maybe the FCC wanted to sit back before it was more clear that they could get these confirmations done. So um, just more and more signs of competition, FCC getting seated and a little charter, Tom Rutledge selling stock this week. All uh, just all, all interesting when you put it all together. Always interesting how these stock sales hit like on Friday afternoons after the market closed uh, yep. or in Rutledge's case, it was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. It's funny how that works. Just funny. Random. Oh, just random timing, yeah. right? Just totally random. Uh, let's shift gears now to um, Amazon, where there is a story out that Amazon is the front runner for two things. One, um, supposedly they've been the front runner for Sunday Ticket, but there's also this um, uh, belief that they're going to be the front runner to buy this stake. We don't know how much. I don't know whether it's a minority stake. I doubt it's a majority stake, but the NFL has been trying to sell. We had Brian Rolap on uh, Lightshed Live you know, several months ago. Basically, they've been trying to monetize NFL Network, Red Zone, and NFL.com. So sort of the media assets owned by the NFL, they're looking for a partner and probably a technology partner that can really help um, rethink distribution right now. Things like Red Zone are tied to the bundle. Uh, you've got... Um, the NFL network tied to the bundle. And I think the NFL is just really starting to think about how can they best take advantage of those assets. And so what would be interesting, I don't know if it happens, but if Amazon took, they were already taken obviously Thursday night football for the next decade, but if they had Thursday night football, ownership of the NFL network, control of red zone, because that's what it comes with, as well as Sunday ticket, that would be a heck of a lot of control of, of the NFL by Amazon. So it may not happen. This may all be just, you know, obviously a lot can change, but it's just fascinating to, to kind of see how big and how aggressive it sounds like Amazon is versus all of the other tech companies who really haven't it's done anything sports in, sports. in general. Yeah, just yeah. sports, right? I mean, literally none of the other fangs or double A fangs have shown 
any interest whatsoever in sports rights, in, at least in a, in a long time. Amazon Who's the F? continues Facebook. Who? Uh, oh, oh, is it Mang now? Yes, there you go. <laughs> well done, Rich. Mang. Well, you know, the, the reason I say that, Brandon, is because yeah. I noticed it yesterday. I was looking through the and By the way, it's two M's, really, because Microsoft is such a giant now. So it's Mang. Well, we had <laughs> our first like registered that. we had our first registered reader from from Meta. Oh, nice. oh, really? That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Someone registered and used yeah. Meta as their Meta. email address so Rich, and their company name. That's company funny. name. Yeah. The world, the world is changing, right? And I think, again, we've we've long commended the NFL and Brian Rolop, among others, of diversifying their content across different distribution Commented. channels in order to drive usage, right? CBS, whatever, they promo it on their college games for the pro games that are coming up that weekend. Yep. So if you're putting a lot of eggs in the Amazon basket in a changing world, the NFL being a smart company, like why, or why wouldn't they have, or hopefully they did get certain um, demands from Amazon in terms of what they were going to do with the product and add to it. And, and I think when they first signed up the Amazon deal last year, the expectation was, you know what my partial is, the alt audio, but there was other things that, that, that were speculated on at the time. And everyone was so excited and Amazon has well, not done shit with the product. Well, but, okay. But, but let's just hold on. They are still simulcasting. Their first game yeah, dude, ever. It is will so be, early. Right. Let's let's see what happens when they technology are moves full- fast, Brandon. This is a multi-billion-dollar like opportunity. There. It, let them not produce. The, let it, them it, produce not their early. own. We're ten, we're ten. How long has it been since that contract was signed? This is not rocket science. Well, but but the contract isn't, it it isn't. for games that start next year. So like exactly, you get your first look next year and get a real feel. And so in the fall of twenty two. Mm-hmm. Let's come back and have this discussion. I mean, look, okay. you may be right. By the they, way, they you want this innovate. you want this to be well thought out, not just slopped together. Well, presumably it was well thought out before they signed the check, which was really? how long ago. You don't think so? You just sign a check and they say, okay, now we're going to figure it no, out. Let's, and now let's innovate. Like, let's put intellectual like, capital is- against this and figure out what that innovation is going to look like. We might have a rough idea of ways we can integrate okay. commerce, do okay. extra streams, utilize two-way communications, everything like that. But actually putting something into practice takes time focus and energy what was my original point here was that the nfl hopefully got this stuff promised not the promise to innovate well they probably so 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 when they picked the deal they just said okay amazon we're gonna trust that you're gonna do all this innovation yeah probably probably they'll probably gave them some ideas of things that they could work on um and the way things could look but the problem like i think we as analysts often have is we think companies could just like snap their fingers and things are automatically executed that's not how how the real world works well i also think the way the real world works is if you're going to turn over your content to a new company that the pitch would have had more details on hey we're going to think I'm about sure it sure it did but okay well like, that's there's okay, <laughs> It doesn't they had just time happen. A to think about it. So you're putting it on whiteboards. They're still putting this on whiteboards. What's going to be the opportunity? And there's okay. probably going to be A-B testing that happens and adjustments made over the years. Okay. But we have no problem ripping them into Twitter in terms of their developments. But for some reason, we're giving Amazon a pass because they haven't done shit with the Twitter, product. Or- okay. Twitter has been around for... I don't even know how how and, long and Amazon has, and has continuously Amazon has resources? been in this game for a very short period of time, no pun intended, and hasn't even launched their own produced version of it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Amazon on the on the uh, satellite front also talks a big game, and we're still looking for execution there. Fair enough. So yeah, we will check back in the fall of 2022. <laughs> bookmark this. Bookmark this episode. So this okay, one next. sort of this sort of ties to our um, uh, top 21 for 21, where we basically predicted that Roku was going, you know, following sort of what they did with Quibi. That we predicted that they were going to be very aggressive buyers of, of or investors in content. That essentially, as competition was picking up in TVOS, that Roku would need to become more of uh, a content creator to just to sort of to differentiate its TV operating system. And we've got a story here. Roku lines up more than 50 new shows 
um, this is from The Verge, rolling out over the next two years, these Roku originals will have basic cable-like budgets. I mean, that could mean they they might have million-dollar episode-type budgets. I mean, it's not clear what basic cable channels. There's obviously big differences between Bravo and the cost of shows on something like FX. But certainly, you're looking at real budgets and real shows. And it, to me, it just sort of shows that Roku increasingly realizes competition's heating up. I mean, looking out over the holiday weekend, the new Amazon Fire TVs, um, same price as the Roku TVs and getting a lot of promotion on Amazon. I, you know, I still think most TVs are still bought in stores, but Roku clearly is feeling the pressure and the need to differentiate itself, as well as they're looking at ways of driving ad sales. And obviously That's right, their inventory. content. Yeah, this is a basic cable show creates inventory, right? So they're basically Time manufacturing their own it. inventory. Yep. When I, go so, to, when I when I click on my Apple TV Plus app, I have a certain yep. expectation of quality. Same thing for HBO Max, or same thing with Disney, Netflix, diversity, maybe not specific quality. Like I yeah. just for me again, I've been a long. I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'll admit to be biased, negative on Roku in general. And I've been <laughs> wrong, but like I don't. What do not lately? My, my, my concept <laughs> of that brand is like, I'm going to go and, and see like, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't even know what, like some food shows. I mean, what, yeah. what, what, what quality stop. is associated well, hold, with well, hold on. Let's for a Roku original programming? Well, well there's well, AVOD versus SVOD, first of all. And generally what you're seeing is that SVOD is able to support much larger budgets. And Roku is AVOD, number one. Number two, we talked about just getting started in things. And there's generally a continuum where you do experimentations with stuff like Lilyhammer was the first show that was on Netflix before they and they tested on some lower cost programming before they dropped the bomb with House of Cards. So just the way something is now doesn't necessarily dictate what it's going to look like in the future. But there's certain expectation and brand. And what what would my what would any consumers expectation be for an, a Roku original. Well, but, but hold on. Because for so me, it would be low end. Okay. Right. For yeah, now. Yeah, but, 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 but let's step back. Agree. 22% of time spent on connected TVs is on YouTube. So what's sure. the expectation? I'm, saying, I'm just saying right. like- And that's low end, that's low end content as well. Yeah, I mean, I, you, low end from a production value, it may not be low end quality sure. wise to the viewer, but yes, sure. Um, I mean, Pluto obviously, TV, obviously it's a subjective decision, but yeah, I yeah. Mean, I'm not saying it can't be a successful model, but like, I don't know how much does YouTube pay for that content? Nothing. Okay. What did we just say? Roku is paying for this content. They are paying for this. Content. Okay. So, so what's the analogy to, there then? Well, the challenge in my mind to, to your point, Walt, because I think that's an important one is it needs to get seen. And when you create content for Pluto TV or you create content for Tubi TV or YouTube, you can watch it on any platform anywhere in the world. It doesn't matter. Whereas Roku, yes, there is a Roku app on an Apple TV. I don't think anyone uses it. There is a Roku app on a Fire TV. No one uses it. Roku channel is basically only watched on Roku and basically only on a TV version of uh, with Roku. So I'm sure they want to change that, though. And one way for them to change that is to have some breakout programming. What I thought was interesting was not necessarily thinking about the quality of each individual program, but the sheer number in that there's a hundred, because that means a hundred shots on goal. And if one of those 100 gets some virality, social media buzz, it's right up, et cetera, et cetera, that can drive, um, that can drive popularity. And the the reason why people open the Roku app on a device that's not Roku. I can't even remember if Bruce Springsteen was on Netflix versus HBO. <laughs> and you're telling me that this number of programs is somehow going to change how Roku's brand is no, perceived? Because Get if the, the next, fuck out of here. It's no, the next game. Get the fuck out. No, if one, <laughs> I love that. If, if the next Squid Game, and it's probably not because one of the reasons Squid Game went so viral is because of the number of the amount of yep. distribution. But if the, the next buzzy show somehow happens to be on one of those 100s, I will open the app, oh, the Roku app on a different device because I only have Roku on one television, period. You know, the last time we said that, Quibi, all they needed was one. I never said show that. On Quibi, I never said and that. It was going to take off. 
The you, reason, yes, you did. No, I absolutely, no, I absolutely did not. If you remember back, I was the one who said Quibi was going to fail. And the reason it was going to fail is because the type of programming wasn't congruent with the platform that it was on, in particular mobile. And so I did not believe that that would ever hit. Roku, which is interesting because they the, use the irony. The, 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 irony. the irony is, yeah, that they, <laughs> they used use all the Quibi programming, right? But they and did it's actually put done it on quite the well. screen. They did yeah, put it on the big screen. And by the way, it was successful or semi-successful right. on the big screen. There was so a, there you go. Thank you, Walt. Old, there's an old saying that says, <laughs> Century Telephone is where, where all telecom goes to die. Roku is going to be, it's where all <laughs> media content goes to die. <laughs> uh, the reason Rich isn't laughing like we are. But okay. As I like to say in some of our other meetings, Next. <laughs> <laughs> this is from Netflix. Starting today, this was a few days ago. Starting today, you can find the soundtracks from your favorite Netflix titles, playlists inspired by them, podcasts, and so much more all in one place on Spotify. And so they basically created a Netflix hub on Spotify. Just interesting, more than anything else. I mean, obviously, just for the backstory here, Ted Sarandos, who is chief content or co CEO um, at Netflix, was Holy chief content officer. Uh, yes, but he is on the board of Spotify. But it's just to me, what is interesting specifically about this move is there's never really been branded categories on Spotify that I've ever seen. And so having a dedicated Netflix category to me, sort of, and I, it's funny because we just talked about Roku, but one of the things that really helped drive Roku's visibility and perception was that when you walk into a Walmart, like when you went to walmart.com, Roku had its own brand of connected TVs. Like, yes, there was, you know, there, there was OLED TVs and there was, you know, 4K TVs and then there was Roku TVs as if those weren't all the same thing, but they created this separate branded category and having a separate branded category for Netflix across Spotify is just an interesting marketing yeah, it's cool. message. Yeah. I, I just interesting that they would do it. Um, and I wonder whether we see other brands try to create their own categories. Like, I don't know what that would be, but like, do we see, you know, some brands that are sort of pop culture related, try to create branded categories of content um, on Spotify? You know, I, don't, I don't know if, whether HBO Max can do that or something, but like, it just has me thinking about what other media companies want to try to create um, a category. While we're on Netflix, not to kind of change the subject, but have you seen what the other South Korean show Hellbound is doing? No, I mean, it's, there was a, it's it's number one on Netflix right now. There was another show that I was looking at a few days ago that was a Korean show that went to number three. Um, this, made, this little anecdote um, may tie into what you're saying about um, Spotify with Netflix in, in terms of trying to go cross-platform, maybe even to create interest in the product. We were talking about Squid Game because I finally finished it uh, at our huh? Thanksgiving or pre-Thanksgiving. And my daughter, who is a college student, has not seen Squid Game. and But she wasn't worried about spoilers because she uses TikTok heavily. And she was very familiar with a lot of the characters and a lot of the games from that were played on Squid Game just from watching it on TikTok and was able to converse with us about what was going on Squid Game primarily from her use on TikTok and intends to watch it. Interesting. Again, driven. And that was not. That's pretty sponsored. interesting. You know, it, it similarly interesting and not to bring up Roblox, but um, yesterday at Thanksgiving, um, we were with you know, a bunch of younger kids who were playing red light, green light, right? And saying, you know, like, if you lose, you're dead. <laughs> like, like <laughs> well, Squid Game. Nice. Obviously, yeah. they weren't allowed to watch Squid Game. Yep. But how did they know about it? From Roblox. Yeah. Which, which, is, pretty, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Same thing. She wasn't old enough to watch Squid Game, but because she was on TikTok, she was able, she was familiar with some of these characters as well. And here's the headline, by the way, not to because you didn't you guys didn't know about it. I just found it. Squid Game knocked from top Netflix slot by new horror series Hellbound. And then there's an article in the New York Post that talks about how they're both South Korean um, dramas, but very different from each other and how it's interesting that Hellbound has taken the top slot. Well, but how many how many followers do you think Netflix has on TikTok? I don't know, 100,000, 200,000, 21 million, million. Yeah, 21 I, million. 
Okay, you but now let's play, remember, let's play like a little game. TikTok. Yeah. No, but no, again, no, followers, no one, no one does anything with followers. HB, all, he's going to ask, H, he's going to ask HBO and it's going to be like 8, followers <laughs> is a meaningless thing for TikTok. Sorry, Charlie. It is. It's everything is FYP. Okay. The third video. So HBO Max, which has 1 million viewers, the most recent video, non pinned to the top, but the most recent video has 642 views. That's not a thousands or millions. That's 642. So HBO Max is not a global business. You're just underscoring the subscriber base of HBO Max. That's versus so Netflix bad. It does have a huge sub base. I mean, yes, it's 70 million globally. Well, I mean, it's not insignificant. We, Rich, what did we talk about earlier? HBO digital marketing. You're talking about what? cohort analysis. Maybe they need to fix their socials also. <laughs> Just what the Walt's point is so important for everyone listening to this podcast. Social matters. And it's just not prioritized at any of these companies when they're building their media business. That's like even Roku, they're going to create content. They need a social strategy to build awareness. Like it's not just like everyone should be doing this. And their point is hold on. What you're saying is that because Netflix has a million followers and because they're refreshing the content in TikTok. That as a result, people are creating their own TikTok stuff just because it's there. They're driving that as opposed to it just being virally. Oh, it's both. I don't think you can separate the two. I think, yes, some of it just purely viral and just pure chance and luck. Some of it is actively fueling and pushing content in to make it easy. It's not one or the other. I mean, I agree. Certainly with the algorithm, it's more viral. Things happen more virally. It's my prediction. It's hilarious. Go on. Here, here's my my connecting it all together. What was big on TikTok this August was um, Alabama Rush, sorority rush. Oh, I'm yeah. Predict- my daughter now wants to go to my, the, Hannah wants to go to Alabama just because she wants to do rush. My prediction is there's going to be a reality show about about some type of sorority rush next year, which is just going to show that TikTok drove the you know content the other way, as it does for as it does for music and many yep. other things. I think the so takeaway where is where would that go? Where, as, what channel? What service would like would be best fit for Alabama? Rush? I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> MTV. Um, Roku. So Roku or as Viacom. we're now in Web three. And Web 2 is old media. Every media company needs a Web 2 strategy. Is that what you're trying to say, Rich? Um, yes. That's okay. I think exactly what Next. I'm okay, let's move on to uh, just sticking with Roblox. Um, this is something I think, Brandon, you've been pretty vocal on heading into. Uh, sure. And I'll say, yeah. So this is from Roblox. Have you got what it takes to build the next generation of innovative boundary pushing experiences, then we're here to help. Learn more about Roblox's Game Fund, a partnership supporting projects from ambitious developers. And we think this has got to be a critical and well-funded piece of Roblox strategy. The big issue right now for Roblox is why they have an amazing flywheel going for younger demos, even a lot of growth up to people in their early 20s. They're about to, there's about to be a ton of experiences that come on from Epic and eventually Meta that are targeting much older demos and they need to get the flywheel started there. How do they do it? They need to incentivize creators, which are probably going to be more professional studios at this point, um, to build experiences. They're not going to do it unless they're going to get paid. So, this is is something that needs to be exceptionally funded in our view. So um, we've seen a lot of these creator funds. I mean, obviously, there's nothing, you know, a sense of YouTube, you know, think, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, they, they, look, it started. I mean, YouTube was the first one to do it years and years ago. Obviously, then Snap did it and TikTok did it and like Instagram Reels is doing it. YouTube, yep. sure. Like everybody is like creating Everyone. a creator fund. I think but, the dollars here need to be big and focused on creating a lot of experiences that are targeted towards older demos. The only thing I'll say is, do you really need a creator fund if you can really create a flywheel where people actually get paid, right? Like, remember, YouTube is a business where 55%. Let me explain why. If For the younger demos, there is an active flywheel. But if you 
Richard Greenfield as a whatever you are, I don't know, 48 year old human being were to go on Roblox and, you know, participate in the uh, Gucci experience. Then when you're done, is there anything for Rich Greenfield to do there to keep you on? Do you have a social network on there? You don't. So the only way to really see that to, to do it quickly is with a lot of dollars. And that's basically what I'm advocating for at this point. It's because, yeah, there's no problem. We invested, we've invested in Roblox studios who are creating awesome experiences for younger demos and they're getting paid and it's a great business. But those studios I've talked to have no incentive whatsoever to create experiences for older people. Okay. I feel like we sort of need like a special sound. But I'm going to say welcome to the Web3 portion of the Light Shed podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Web3 portion. Okay. Go ahead, Brandon. Was that sultry enough for you, Walt? Yes, it was wonderful. Thank you. This is from Benedict Evans, who I've actually really enjoyed Benedict um, kind of speaking and processing Web3 out loud um, as he's dug very in. Very intellectually, he, he, honestly. Yes, too. yes, in a very intellectually honest way. Now, admittedly, uh, Benedict has come at it with kind of a bit of a skeptical eye, but I, I think a lot of people in Web3 just are as like, Rich Greenfield. These, right, these are the principles of Web3. And, you know, uh, crypto prices are going up, NFTs are killing it. And, this is an exciting time and we believe in in these ethos so we're kind of on board where benedict has had a real critical you know eye to it and he brings up um one of the interesting problems slash issues um with web3 here and he says a puzzle in web3 ux it's not that it's complicated and incredibly technical and that you'll lose your money if you do anything wrong. It's that every previous generation solved that complexity by abstracting and simplifying. And that also meant centralizing. One person's centralized power, sophistication, and freedom is another person's fragmented and confused UX nightmare. For consumers, simplicity wins. This is one of the main reasons that Linux failed totally to compete on the desktop. Square that circle. At some point, does something like this happen? And he has uh, a picture of Netscape and Internet Explorer. And I mean, look, that is, the, the, right, go on, Rich. I'll, I was let, you, say, I'll like, let you speak here because you've I, thought no, a lot I just, about this. Well, I, I just think like there is so much. He's right. There's so much complexity when you decentralize ownership and you let sort of the masses take ownership of everything. And we can extract this to whether it's owning movie company or movie pieces of art or, you know, movie productions, TV series, music, you can do whatever you want. But, but just, just not having like centralized places where tons and tons of users um, are going. Yeah. Like the whole concept of like Facebook or Instagram, like just Snapchat, like these are centralized locations where innovation. people gather. I think well, the I, other I just, thing you're getting I, at I don't even, I, I don't even totally understand it. Structure. Right. No, but I, and, but let's just stay on the platform for a second. Like okay. platforms that are owned by everyone, um, platforms where there is no central platform. Like I, I made this comment to someone the other day. Like, oh, so you make a TV show, and where does it go? Like, if it doesn't air on Netflix, it airs in this. Like, there's going to be this decentralized viewing platforms where you watch this content and you pay for it how through transactions per thing or like nobody fucking knows like that's the point like you take this to the extreme of like it's what, what, well, what, first of all it is early rich sure but humans like simple we all like simple I every agree time we try to, and, like, and at benedict's point and a point i agree with is that centralization makes for a much more simplistic experience now yes. will that will that change over time will there be ways thought out probably where you can have both decentralization and simplicity and innovation yeah probably but i don't know when that day is 
Well, and, and then you take it to the next step of like, look what happened with this Constitution Dow, where all of these people put in a whole crap load of money. Now their money is stuck in this Dow. And they don't even know what happens to the money or what happens to it. Some of it's getting well, eaten away I, by I, fees. I, I know what happened to it. Most of it was burned on gas fees. Um, and now, you know, the way the Dow structure works is everyone is supposed to kind of have a voice um, in being able to vote what happens with the remaining money. And there's a certain group, as the Vice article says, there's a certain group of people who... <laughs> who are kind of taking charge and deciding what they think should be done with the remaining money and other people are upset and it's it's complete chaos right now in the Dow. And governance is going to be something that has to get worked out. There probably should be some kind of organized central power in all of these DAOs because innovation usually happens by founders or small groups. Um, that kind of lead the charge. That's but why by definition, but by definition, you're not going to have a central, you could have a centralized. Well, I think one. what's been, what's been happening in, in, in DAOs is there are probably a few people, not probably a lot of them have this that have taken that leadership role, but everyone's supposed to have um, a vote that is in sync with their ownership. And now you have in this constitution DAO a situation where people are pissed because their voice isn't being heard because that's the expectation. So well, I, I don't know. There's a lot that needs to how, get worked out. How it works when you're in a group and just because you have a one vote doesn't mean you have to get other people to <laughs> to agree with whatever you want to do. Like Welcome well, to it's just not world. an efficient way to vote on everything anyway, or on all the main topics. I wouldn't use the word efficient. I'd use a nastier word, but yeah, let's just call it. <laughs> no, efficient. no, no. I, Walt is right. Wake like, it's, up. It's, this is fucking. It just feels like, honestly, chaos. Like you're unleashing chaos. That is, I mean, this is just a very small example. It and needs it's all to, because but, Ken but Griffin. It's a, you know what? Ken Griffin came in and That's, I mean. That is the troll of all trolls. That it is, but that. it also exposes the but, problem. Like it's no, no, a great. A I, I, I actually appreciate it because it shows the underlying it is problem. So early, though, right? It is so early, and I think that there are probably people who are running DAOs who have, I don't know, gone back and read government theory, corporate like structuring theory, et cetera, et cetera. Read some philosophy in their life that probably understand there's going to have to be a smart governance that's put around these DAOs, just like there is in every other um, organization. In the I world. can't wait till someone creates some type of security where you can short DAOs. Don't that be a hate be rich. Do not be a hater because be the there, anti -DAO. Are, there anti -DAO. are a ton of amazing things about DAOs. There are the ability for people to, really feel invested in projects and to be able to work on multiple projects at once and have that freedom. There's a lot of amazing things about Web3, um, but the governance issue is something that definitely needs to get worked out. Netflix should make a movie of Lord of the Flies. I think that would be a good time. <laughs> that was well played, Walt. Um, um, we have our, our final, final slide. Go ahead, the Rich. House, well, I was going to say the Pisic household was watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day. Every Thanksgiving, Rich. Every Thanksgiving. And un unlike Brandon, when you see something on TV, Walter takes a picture of it. Brandon does not. So <laughs> I think just I did take circle, a picture of it. I'm going to find uh, it. But you don't share it. But that's okay. So um, Walt took a picture that this is the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade for our listeners versus our watchers. And it says up on the screen, www.macy's.com slash NFT. And when you go to the NFT site, you will see that things like the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade tiptoe balloon art um, right now is being priced at $74,000. So the these highest, are real. That's the highest bid right now. It's yeah. just weird looking at NFT prices, not ETH, isn't it? Meaning that they're in dollars versus in ETH. Yeah. But that aside, yeah, but Brandon, who, who can, watches the who watches um exactly the Thanksgiving no, I, Day parade I understand and i and i think it's it, you know it's yeah. extremely important that if you want to bring crypto to the masses you do it in a way that they understand right. um and using fiat is is what they understand so i'm all for that but the real reason that we 
wanted to put this tweet in is because it, it, it reminded NFT, us of it was, music. It is 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 a is a donkey, and as some people know, I love donkeys, and it is now the Christmas season, which means it's Dominic the donkey time finally. Kind of ties in our earlier comments about the importance of investor relations. <laughs> it does. In a very obscure way, yes. Uh, that wow. very few listening will actually understand. But Can we um, spell it out? No. Yeah, no, I think it's fine. It's just, it'll be, I think they can call us for that. But um, look, the reality is, it is interesting, though, how NFTs are sort of being jammed into every part of pop culture. And everyone is trying to turn everything into an NFT. I don't know what the true collectible value of this uh, donkey will be in five years, let alone in a year. But it's interesting how everyone is trying to take advantage of the buzz. I mean, I was looking on Twitter and Rachel Weiss, who's a friend of friend of the shed she uh, literally tweeted out she was asked over thanksgiving by her seven-year-old nephew to explain what an nft was so makes sense yeah like everyone is curious everyone's trying to understand right now i guess dows will be next year at thanksgiving in the governance discussion everyone say well, have a great rest of the rich. We're not leaving till you give us a hee-haw. 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 H